2: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Total Saints Podcast. Adam, Steve and myself are here to discuss, hopefully for your listening pleasure, everything that's happened in and around Southampton Football Club over the last seven days. That includes record-breaking goals, Elton John's Rocketman, John Barnes, more drop points, St Mary's Joy, Premier League safety, officially, a fight to the death, TSP Prediction League and even a Matt target goal. As well as looking back, we'll look forward to Saints' last Premier League away game of the season up at West Ham United next weekend. So let's get straight into it. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk and partner with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk, this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 73.
0: Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. HappyHotTubs.co.uk
2: Saints' penultimate away game of the season saw them travel to Vicarage Road to take on Watford. Normally, we wouldn't necessarily reflect on a match that was a couple of games ago, but there was far too much to talk about that we couldn't let it pass. For a
1: variety of reasons, Adam, quite a surreal and bizarre night overall. It was one of the more surreal nights, definitely, that mm. I've had covering Saints. It was really... The whole evening was just like a... passed in a blur. And I, initially, I was like, I don't know whether this is just because most of us that were there following Saints around were, were probably all still a little bit bleary-eyed from obviously the late game at Newcastle and all the travel for that and then all the preview for Watford and then suddenly at Watford. Yep. But then the, the events of the evening were just hilarious and bizarre in in every measure really from obviously the ludicrous goal after yep. 7.69 seconds yep. which... When something like that happens, it kind of sets you back for the whole evening because, obviously, everybody's trying to work out what the time of the goal is. There's conflicting reports. Then you're working out what the records are. And then, obviously, there's all separate stuff to do over the hoopla of that. And then you're like, oh, what, what? oh there's been 35 minutes played. What's happened in the last 35 minutes minus seven seconds that we haven't seen? Um, and then, of course the crowning glory of the evening at what for the halftime entertainment mm. um which was absolutely spectacular <laughs> i mean you called it a dream right it felt so surreal yeah it was like a dream so um well basically i thought this is going to be absolutely stunningly good mm. before the match when they kind of half explained what was going on um so there's a new uh, film about the life of Elton John that's being released, apparently, called Rocket Man.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And they obviously thought, well, Elton John, synonymous with Watford, we all know that. Mm-hmm. You know, so his history with them is, is very well documented, and you can't move more than about five steps in Vicarage Road without seeing another picture of Elton John <laughs> somewhere. There's virtually no pictures, I know, of pretty much any of their players from the past, but there's millions of pictures of Elton John everywhere. Yeah. And... So they obviously thought, well, oh, the film's coming out. We we should make a bit of a hoopla to promote it um, at Vicarage Road. Mm. So I suppose a gang of them probably sat down and got together and had a meeting about, well, how could we promote the film Rocket Man? Could we get Elton John maybe out on the pit? Well, that would be obvious, wouldn't it? That would be brilliant, get Elton John there for the game. <laughs> nope, no, that was a no. That was a non-starter by the looks of it. So what's incredible is somebody must have actually have said these words in this meeting. <laughs> Why don't we get John Barnes to come and sing Rocket Man at half time? <laughs> and if you think that's extraordinary, somebody else in that meeting must have said, <laughs> Yes, that's a great idea. Get John Barnes on the phone. Let's get him in. Yeah. So they announced before the match that, that they'd left an envelope on every seat with the lyrics to Rocket Man yeah. and that John Barnes would be leading this sing song. So normally at half time, I. Uh, Disappeared to go to the toilet and get a cup of tea in the press <laughs> room before the second half. I was not leaving my seat <laughs> on this occasion because I, I you wanted to sing a along. Feeling, well, I had a feeling it was going to be a car crash, <laughs> uh, uh, entertainment-wise, and it certainly was. So Barnes comes on the pitch, yeah. and the first thing that happens is like the pitch announcer says, does all the blurb, and he you know, bangs on about what a great guy Elton was and the glory years for Watford and all that kind of stuff. And then the announcer says, "So you're going to do Rocket Man." I, I hear that if there's a, as a special treat, if everybody joins in and's really loud, you'll do World in Motion. <laughs> and, and and Barnes, Barnes obviously, as you know, he's quite famous for always wanting to do World in Motion every yeah. time he turns up. But in, only the rapping part. Yeah. But oh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> um, gave it the no, 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 no. Tonight's not about me. Tonight's about Elton, <laughs> etc. Type speech. I was, to be honest, I was slightly deflated. I was like, "Well, I think him singing Rocket Man is going to be brilliant, but yeah. if he did the rap as well, I mean, I love World in Motion. It's like it's I classic. think it's the greatest football song ever. Oh, definitely. Oh, it's brilliant, and I love the rap. And I occasionally do the rap myself uh, <laughs> if I've had a drink too many with friends, and and I demanded to do it. And I thought this would be brilliant. I can I can see the John do the rap in person. So anyway. He starts singing Rocket Man. He absolutely is murdering Rocket Man. (laughs) (laughs) Totally destroying. And the Watford fans really aren't getting into it at all. It's mainly just John Barnes screaming it down the microphone. And so the Saints fans, who were really noisy the whole night, Mm. just start, one or two of them just pipe up singing Oh When the Saints. And within like about 30 seconds, there's 2,000 of them, or whatever they were, they're singing Oh When the Saints... At absolutely full pelt, and you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't <laughs> hear Barnes, you couldn't hear the Watford crowd. That's literally all you could hear. Barnes goes mad and just goes, Shut up, Southampton fans. We just shut up. Like mid-sock <laughs> breaks off from the lyrics. So decides, basically, having now interrupted the song to shout at the Southampton fans, that he's going to have another go uh, because nobody was joining in. So he has a second go at Rocket Man. The Saints fans, I, I later am told on Twitter, led by Charlie Austin, who was out <laughs> warming up, decide to sing another song <laughs> at the top of their voices. And basically but Barnes, I think, at this point is just like I'm he's he's going for it now. Yeah. He's like, I don't care, I'm just gonna sing Rocket Man, basically. Gets to the end of Rocket Man, job done. Who wants world in motion? <laughs> <laughs> and he's there's no stopping him. He's gone. He's gone. He's got into the rap straight oh, away. He was absolutely and by the time that had finished, I was just, yeah. I was like, I don't. Know, this Shane Long scored a goal after seven seconds, and jo- I've just seen John Barnes sing Rocket Man, and then World in Motion. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I could concentrate for the second half. <laughs> Steve, you were in the ground that night
2: at Watford. What did you make of it all? Yeah, it was just bizarre. We more or less got through an entire
3: repertoire of of songs about pretty much every sub <laughs> uh, that was that was warming up in front of us. Uh, during the course of it, as, as Adam says, led by um, Charlie Austin, because he, he found this all absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just very, very strange. But there was better atmosphere at half-time than there was for most of the 90
2: minutes. To be yeah, there you go. So maybe we've got John Barnes to thank for that, but uh, you, you just don't know. But look, let's get back to uh, Shane Long then. Uh, obviously, Saints hold the uh, record for the quickest Premier League hat-trick in history. Everyone will remember Sadio Mane's two minutes, 56 seconds against Aston Villa a few years ago. Thanks to Shane Long. They now have the fastest ever Premier League goal in 27 seasons, as Adam says, timed at 7.69 seconds. Uh, It got me thinking, Steve, just before we talk about the goal, what you can do in eight seconds. I refrained from asking my wife because I probably didn't want to get the answer for what I could do in eight (laughs) seconds. But uh, there we go. Um, I did some research. You can tie a shoelace. You can put an umbrella up and down. Usain Bolt could run about 85 metres, and uh, the International Space Station would travel about 40 miles. But uh, look, there we go. I mean, it was a goal that kind of sums Shane up really, Steve. Didn't it? Sort of closing down the defender and then a neat little finish, which is probably for him one of the harder finishes, but sometimes he makes those look easier than the easy ones, if you know what I mean.
3: Yeah, I mean he's he's one of those who I think in a one-on-one situation where he's not got time to think about it, his instinctive finish is usually the right choice. Mm. Um and in that situation, yeah, I mean, he he absolutely nailed it. The funniest thing I I found was looking back on looking back on the sort of video clips and highlights and stuff later. Yeah. Um seeing the one person um just must have been ironic, surely. Um, appealing yeah. for ham, appealing Decore. for ham, ball yeah. in the distance yeah. was Abdel DeCore, who of course <laughs> punched one in in, in the ninety-third yeah. minute last season. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. mate, are you having a laugh? No shame. No, yeah, exactly. Just exactly. Shameless.
2: Yeah, and it's going to take some beating that Steve. It's going to—I mean, as I say, Ledley King, I think, was the previous holder, wasn't he? But it's going to take some effort to beat seven point six nine seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think Ledley King's record held for about seventeen years. Mm, mm. Was that Bradford? So, Yes it yeah, was yeah I do remember it yeah yeah,
3: um, and I think if, I think that one, had, that one took a massive deflection, if I remember rightly mm. as well, so it wasn't a sort of clean finish either, yeah, but um yeah, I mean you you do well to to beat that i mean how how are you going to do it i mean unless
2: well yeah
3: unless you're literally shooting from kickoff yeah. or if Taking Long's goal as the example, mm. um, if Cathcart's clearance hits Long and basically just loops up over the keeper straight in, yeah, that's surely the only way you you score quicker than that. Pretty much, yeah. So I, I don't see how, um, yeah, you know, I don't see how that how that record gets beaten any time anytime soon. Nah. Um, but worth noting that goal also knocked um, Jay Rodriguez's goal at Chelsea out of the top ten. Yeah. Um, whilst we've also got Beattie's goal at Chelsea. Mm. Which is now, I think, number nine. And then at number 10 is still um, Begovic's uh, the goal at Stoke.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So It just shows you how many, because uh, obviously Keita scored this week, didn't he? But uh, mm. look, I mean, just, just finally then on the Watford game, Steve, just before we talk more uh, about the Bournemouth game, which was obviously a lot more recent, I guess typical Saints, loads and loads of chances in the first half, play absolutely superbly, throw away two points right at the end. But I think for all of us, probably a point we would have probably taken before the game. So a bit sort of hit and miss, really, overall. Yeah, definitely. Although it's, it's
3: interesting. I'll lo- ask well it's certainly felt like we've not had a great record at Watford mm. um in what the last 20 years or so but yeah. the last three trips there we've battered them basically mm. Mm. in all three games and we've and we've only come away with one win which yeah. and and that 4-3 was massively flattering um for them
2: because
3: mm. um, that was a 5 or 6-1 jobby really yeah yeah um i mean last season we were 2-0 up at half time and cruising um and they basically just lumped the ball long and we we just basically crapped ourselves, didn't we? It was just just def- defensively we just fell to pieces under yeah. the sort of aerial bombardment. There was no, there was none of that this season because obviously Deeney being suspended, mm. they didn't really have a target man, an option, yeah. Um, and it kind of showed. I mean, other than other than obviously Andre Gray missed that good really good chance about 2 minutes in yep. uh, to make it one all but other than that i mean i don't think guns had anything to do really until until the late equalizer um they they had a lot of sort of pressure and ball in wide areas in the second half but didn't really do anything with it and i mean as you say first half we should have been 3 or 4 up and game done and dusted really yeah um a bit frustrating i mean what we hit the post twice uh, foster's made a couple of good saves mm. um so yeah i mean annoying but sort of typical saints uh, way of throwing away the points and put a little bit more pressure on them um, on yesterday's game although i think realistically we all
2: felt that we always had enough in the tank i think yeah so moving on to that bournemouth game then adam this weekend um quite some game particularly for the neutral ups and downs and goals for and goals against and ultimately a thrill draw entertaining stuff to say the least um i guess as we said there, a typical saints performance and sort of saints way to crawl somewhat over the mathematical safety line really
1: It was another slightly bizarre game, really, Mm. like after the Watford, um, all the things that happened there. I mean, it was a slightly odd game because it was a game that I think highlighted so many of the mainly positive things that Haas and Hootles done, Mm. but also... Um, a couple of things that I've talked about on the pod are the more negative things that they do need. They, yeah, I'll I'll be generous and say it's stuff to work on, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's that's fair, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, It's a short period of time, yep. still. So there's no point in getting too hair up about it. But you know, they were high pressing, they were energetic, they were on the front foot, they were attacking, they were looking to score goals. They did score goals. They scored three. Mm-hmm. They were entertaining. Lots and lots and lots to like about that. Yep. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But defensively, it was at times a shambles. I mean, both teams were an absolute shambles at the back. Even Eddie Howe afterwards laughed and said, you know, I think if there's any defensive coaches watching, basically, I apologise. Because <laughs> you're not going to have enjoyed that game very much because it was a shambles And both teams pretty yeah. much. Just paraphrasing slightly, but it's basically what he said. Yeah. Um, and Ralph didn't disagree with that either, <laughs> so I've just laughed. Um, but yeah, and on the negative side, from Saints' point of view, defensively, uh, very open at mm. times. Seemingly, as Steve said, at their most vulnerable defensively when they've got the ball in the opposition penalty area. Yeah. Um, which We've is said that an, an extraordinary um, you know, way to be. And yet again, I've pointed out before, I just... I just do not like. For me, I know there's a, lots of ways to skin a cat, but I just do not like the way they defend set pieces under Haas and mm. I don't like this half zone or half man marking personally, yep. and they seem to be susceptible to conceding goals. So I, you kind of feel that that sort of is, you know, proving proving out. But you know, uh, this is this is slightly nitpicking, I will admit, because ultimately. You know, I think it's now fair. Now he's actually got them safe to reflect a little more on the job he's done, yep. um, which has been uh, nothing short of extraordinary. And the very fact that the biggest thing we've got to moan about is the things that you know, I'm saying that are something to improve for the future. Mm. If that's really the biggest things to moan about, then really there's not that much to moan about at all, to be honest. Because not only are they getting results, but by being open. Yes, I know that he will want to shore them up at the back a little bit obviously in the summer because he won't want them to be this open all the time as yeah. it, as they seem to be at the moment. But that is also producing the entertaining football that we've long bemoaned that we haven't seen, you know, post Kuman really. Mm. Um yeah, and I mean I, I would happily uh, see lots and lots more goals really. So yeah. um yeah, so it was a, it was a strange it was a strange day. I mean, if you were to analyze each of the goals in isolation, I mean you'd have a field day when you can, the number of horrific errors that came in for most of them. Mm. Um, but ultimately a point got them over the line. And that was really the most important part of the day. A slight shame in a way that it came the way it did, because I think it would have been nicer. Uh, there was obviously a lot of delay at the Cardiff Fulham game because of mm. a serious uh, injury. And we were aware of that while we were there, but then there was this bizarre sort of after the game when Saints had got their point and Ralph obviously wanted to celebrate. They were safe. Yeah. But the players were, I think, were a bit like, well, you know, so what? Let's just let troop off and we'll do it all for the Huddersfield game. Yeah. And then, so a load of them went off. Ralph got them all back. They stood in the centre circle.
2: And there was no one there. Waiting,
1: and <laughs> virtually everybody had gone. So they just sort of celebrated to a, a you know, 75% empty ground. It was all very, very yeah.
2: odd. Kind of sums up um, the week, really, doesn't it? But yeah. Yeah. So.
1: It's all very strange. But- most important point is they're over the line, yeah, and that's and that's really all that matters. There's no way they're going down now, and you know what what a fantastic Achieving, job he's yeah. he's done in in this period of time. Totally. Well, we'll talk about him a, a little bit more in a, a minute, but I I know Bournemouth were sort of weak at the back as well,
2: Steve. But of course we had to jig it around because we'd lost Yoshida and Vestergaard. I saw a great tweet. I know you commented on the defending. I saw a great tweet from Andy Davis yesterday, who I know follows the pod, and I thought it summed it up perfectly in terms of the game: attacking from Baywatch, defending from Crime Watch. Yeah,
3: I mean, as Adam said, there's, you're not going to get um, uh, that defending featuring very much on a how to defend or how to set yourself up sort of lesson. It mm. was just, I mean, from bo- I mean, as we said, from both sides, was just absolutely shambolic. Yeah, um, and, it was, it was. and I mean, this and this. Bear in mind, this is after Bournemouth had um, obviously seen how bad they were at the start, and Eddie Howe's thinking, God, I've got to got to do something here. Mm um and take weirdly takes off a defender and yeah. actually makes them slightly more solid mm. um because Ryan Fraser came on and just terrified the life out of us yeah um and then obviously once we get to once we get in at half time and somehow we 're only two one down mm. then we can then make a make a change of our own, yeah bring on an extra defender and make ourselves more attacking it 's like none of this makes any sense <laughs> um it was all absolute nuts yeah but um there are many defenders on both sides who will be thinking,
2: ooh, do I have a future next season? Mm, indeed. And Shane Longlet, I think that's four and five now for him. He's scored in the last three home games, but I don't want to focus on it too much, Steve, but you would have been right behind it in the Northern. Talk us through that miss. I can only think, because at the moment he's obviously
3: got so much confidence because he's been scoring every game, mm. he just thought, well, I'll just do what I've, been, what I've always done. I'll just hit it first time. It's, I've, I've got this. It's, it's not a problem. Whereas what he didn't realise was that there was nobody within five yards of him. Mm. He could have taken about five touches, dribbled it up to the line, got down on his hands and knees and nodded it across with his nose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I Um, so wish he'd done that. I so wish he'd done that.
3: And obviously what happened was somehow he ends up hitting the post Mm. and. I mean, you you almost kind of felt that the way that his luck's been going the last the last uh, month or so mm. that even that coming back off the post that the ball was then going to end up at his feet again and yeah. give him a third bite of the cherry, but yeah. it just um, just flicked past him obviously, and and they they managed to clear it, and mm. uh, I think that because that was at one 0 wasn't it? And That's you right. kind of you, you kind of think that um, then obviously they go down the other end and take the lead, and you you then sort of worrying Thinking mm. oh, we're in the spot of bother here, yeah. Because um, I think Bournemouth would have been, would have been quite quite happy with a with a lead and the the option of pick, just
2: picking us off uh, on the break. Mm, exactly, and we're not going to talk about every single goal, but must give Angus Gunn a shout out because of course could have meant that we won the game four three if Shane Long has scored. But likewise, Angus Gunn made a great save from Callum Wilson at the end and even with the first goal I I know it sort of went straight through him but it was close range and the second goal was quite a good save considering it did take a couple of deflections and another good goal from James Wall prowse but I guess what I was trying to get to Adam was the fact that that third goal I thought kind of epitomized the whole Ralph Haas and era a young right back that he's given a chance admittedly I know as Steve pointed out to someone on Twitter Mark Hughes uh, did give Jan Valery his uh, debut but Ralph has clearly sort of developed him and given him those chances, crossed to the back post. A Saints fan, Matty Target, his first Premier League goal with a header. It kind of, as I say, summed it up from a Ralph point of view.
1: Yeah, to a certain extent, I think it did. I mean, I think, uh, I would just because you raised the gun thing, I think I, I'm not quite in such agreement with you on the, the quality of this performance. I've mm-hmm. been really impressed with him, but I wasn't actually as impressed with him. And I thought the goal that he, that he he where he pushed the uh, the shot from Brooks back out and Wilson turns it in, I think you've got to do better with that. He took can't, a
2: couple of deflections. Though. I mean, by the time he it, it, it did, you know, but it's
1: very, it's very, very central to him. You've got to, you've got to push that away. You can't let that he's actually, you know, you look, I, I appreciate it's difficult, but I think, um, I think he will probably, I would think would reflect that he probably should have done a bit better with that. I mean, as a former, um, as a, a former left back, you know, we can definitely take your view on that. <laughs> well, you're the former goalkeeper. Well, here, so maybe so, You're telling no, me I mean, I'm what being do, what far too know? harsh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like like Matt Target, you saw me score a lot of goals like that. So um, I don't think I ever saw you cross the halfway line. But there we go. Carry on. Um, thank you. Yeah, but you're right. It was it was a nice goal, wasn't it? It was mm. just like a bit of a swashbuckling goal, and it was you know with the the wing backs effectively linking up with each other and doing well. And one other thing, um, I should probably have mentioned in the rundown of really great things to see or, it, you know, under Harsenhutl mm. is uh, the changes of formation, the multiple changes of formation during yeah. the match. It was a bit like a game of chess between him and Howe as they, you know, both uh, sort of kept on changing their shapes mm. as the game went on. And one would do something and then the next one would react and do something else. And then, you know, it was, and that sort of the, the, the game sort of seesawed a little bit on the dominance because of the changes in formation,
3: it was interesting that those changes, all of every single one of them, had such
1: a huge effect as well. And they did, yes, mm. yeah, absolutely, they yep. did. And it's a, probably suggested that the actual the the quality of the two teams was actually relatively similar if the formations were having such a huge impact.
2: Yeah, you're right, and uh, I mean, I guess the other thing as well, Adam, then is. You know, it's just the way that Saints have started to play. I mean, you know, I know that again, even at Watford and at Newcastle, they were much better second half. But I mean, as as they said on Soccer Saturday yesterday, I mean, Saints had 22 shots compared to Bournemouth's nine. I mean, we've gone through seasons under the likes of Pellegrino where we've not had 22 shots in a month, have we? So they've been on the sort of back end of it for the second bit of the first half, if you know what I mean. But then they come out and take the initiative again in the second half. So he kind of seems to get this bounce back ability out of them. I know that they then sort of tend to let it slip again. But you know, the good thing is that they're not just folding these days.
1: Yeah, and you've got a choice, really, haven't you? I mean, you've got probably with with that squad. It's not the same squad, but a vaguely similar squad. Puel mm. got good results out of them, really, yeah. um, by playing a very defensive style and sort of winning a lot of games by one nil and you know odd goals like that, and not conceding many. Or the other approach is that you open yourself up a little more at the back potentially and become a bit more swashbuckling going forward. Mm. Um, now the the problem with that in theory has been that who's going to put the ball in the net for Saints? Because yeah. if you don't have a top top quality striker who's scoring regularly, then you've got a bit of a problem playing that way. And maybe the theory is that you're better off, you know, being trying to be as defensively sound as you can. Mm. Um, but Harson has obviously found goals from lots of different areas of the team and, and a lot of players scoring a lot of goals that we had not really seen contribute at all in the past and that has allowed them to play this, this much more expansive style of football and still get results.
2: Well as Adam mentioned after the game Ralph was uh, very pleased to have finally kept Saints up. Here's what he had to say to SouthamptonFC.com Yeah we are very happy and um, also proud for this game because uh, um, I think it was a very crazy game with uh, Ups and downs. Fantastic start, then uh, a time where we received two goals, and it looked really not very good for us. And then, with a few changes in the break, uh, coming back in this game had uh, one goal lead, and, and then at the end, uh, be lucky that we get this point. So it was a crazy game for 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 us. And uh, finally, um, I think. Although we didn't win today, it was a very important step for us because now we are safe and now we can uh, yeah, enjoy the last two games and, and, and look forward for the next year. I guess it's important in my view that we don't sort of see this as a celebration, I guess a bit more of a release, Steve. But as we've spoken about a bit on the pod over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, it's important we kind of remember that we want Saints to be further up the table than celebrating survival. But just sum up, in your view, Ralph's achievements this season, bearing in mind, you know, he took over a team that had, what, one win, nine points from 16 games by the time we played Cardiff.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary that we've kind of got to this situation where we're obviously safe with... Mathematically safe with two two games to go, but realistically we've been safe for uh, probably f- with four games in in mm-hmm. the bag, mm-hmm. and it kind of just shows that coaches at the at the highest level need to have a plan. You don't get the opportunity to just coast it and blag it anymore. Yeah. and I think that's where that's where Mark Hughes has just massively been found wanting
2: mm-hmm.
3: because. Whilst, yeah, I mean, we we set ourselves up, and we we weren't we possibly weren't as bad as the um as the results um under him necessarily um ended up showing. Mm. Um, I think there were there were some games where we deserve we deserved a lot more out of them than we got under yeah. him, but we never looked like we were a team that kind of knew exactly what we were trying to do. We never looked comfortable, kind of comfortable in our own skins, really, and it was only. Once Hazenhuttle was in was in place, and you could see exactly what he what he was trying to do, the way the team was was going to be set up. I mean, obviously the formation has has chopped and changed a little bit um, mm. depending on player availability and which opposition we're playing. Yep. Um, but the plan has been very obvious on on every occasion, mm. and I think clubs of our size, clubs that are outside the top six, I think you you need. You need that plan because you don't have the the sort of superstar players who can who can just win games on their own. Mm. Um, you've got to have a cohesion about you and some sort of um, some sort of idea about how you're gonna how you're gonna break down um, break down opposition defenses. And I mean the fact that we've now scored what 44 goals already this season. Yeah. Um, when I think under Hughes we were just about going at a goal a game. Mm. And yeah, I mean the the, the turnaround in the sort of confidence levels um, of our of our attacking unit is. Just worlds away, really.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the thing, Adam, isn't it? Just finally, I saw that he'd uh, said it was, you know, a harder task than when he went to Leipzig, because obviously Leipzig had players that were already sort of further developed and further up ladder in terms of competing and that sort of thing. Whereas he's coming to Saints, a team that are very low on confidence, you know, aren't getting any results, and you know, you can understand why he's saying that because, as we've spoken about before, he's put blood, sweat, and tears in this, so you can understand his sort of outpouring of the enthusiasm and celebration at the end yesterday.
1: Oh yeah, totally now it's done he deserves i feel like now's the time he does deserve a little bit of a moment in the sun um and to to get credited and 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 rightly praised for the fantastic job he's done it was interesting because it's like you know now they're safe i think it'll be really interesting to hear what he's got to say in the next couple of weeks mm. because he can kind of i think he'll open up a lot more i suspect on partly on things that of the way he's gone about doing things, but also on the future, because obviously he's not wanted to to, to talk about that too much until such time as the Premier League safety was um, secured. But even Saturday after the game, he's starting to talk a little bit about rebuilding for the future and, mm. and kind of how he wants to go about doing that. I also asked him, because obviously since the, the winter transfer window, when they didn't bring anybody in, he very much has taken that public line of, no, no doubts, no doubts, no, that was totally the right thing to do, and, and that's it, yeah. and I thought, I think we've all thought a few times it was quite a big gamble, so I actually asked him and said, I know you said that, obviously we realise you had to say that, did you actually mean it, or was <laughs> there a time, and he actually said, well, funny you should say that, there was actually a time yeah. when when I was pretty nervous, because we had a couple of injuries up front, and I thought, oh, we've left ourselves short of a striker here, yeah, Um. But it kind of has worked out in the end, basically. Mm. Uh, So it's interesting to get some some takes on kind of, you know, his insights into how things have been away from now with the pressure gone and with him not having to basically say some things just because those are the things you've got to say. Yeah. um, And you can't be seen publicly to say anything else. And I think that'll be very interesting as well now to uh, get on to asking about like I said, the future and, and, and how he sees uh the rebuilding job that he's got to do. Mm. Uh and, and what what exactly uh, what he wants to do, try and get a handle on what he actually wants to do and then from that try and get a handle on what realistically they're going to be able to do. Yeah. Because, you know, I've had these conversations with other uh, people who are relatively synonymous with covering Saints and things. And that was, I've had this sort of, I've got a list here of 14 players they should sell in the summer. <laughs> well, that's great. We can all come up with a list of 14 players they should sell, but you've got to find 14 clubs who are going to buy them. <laughs> and it's going to be a difficult summer for them mm. because while it's exciting under Harson hutel I think he's going to be quite open to admit that it's all right to say promote the young players, but the young players aren't going to fill every gap they've got. Yep. They're going to need to buy some quality and that means they are going to have to shift a serious number of players out mm. um and that is going to be really hard because they've got a lot of players they've spent a lot of money on who are on big contracts who frankly nobody wants so uh it's going to be a tough summer so it's going to be really interesting i think now question harson who talked about how he's going to approach this and what his views on it all are
2: Well, I think if I ever buy a washing machine, Steve, it's going to be one with a Ralph Hasenhutl guarantee. There's no doubts about that, but uh, yeah, good to get that in there. Look, final thing then, Steve. He said when he came to join Saints that he wanted to make a name for himself. Obvious question, but I think he's done that. Yeah, definitely.
3: I mean, there's a lot of people who still spell his name with two S's, which really annoys me. (laughs) Um, But let's be brutally honest. If he continues on the trajectory that he's been on so far with us, then I think we'll be fortunate if we get more than next season out of him before mm-hmm. um, a bigger club comes along and and decides that they like the cut of his jib as well. So um, let's make the most of it while we can. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if the manager is doing well and if the the players are doing well, and other clubs, bigger clubs want to uh, are sort of interested in our players, then that should be seen as a positive. I think because it means that we're doing well as as a team and as a club. I mean, let's face it. The last two years, nobody's been interested in any of our players, Mm. and that's because we've been rubbish, and nobody's enjoyed it, and it's been a pile of absolute toss for the for the vast majority of it. So (laughs) wise
2: words as ever, Steve.
3: So I think people now, because obviously when we had that sort of big summer where we sold five or six top players, and everyone was sort of mass exodus, everyone was um, absolutely sort of going mad about it, sort of saying, "What are we doing?" Uh, this is this is ridiculous you can't sustain yourself by by continually selling your best players well that's the reality that is the reality of the situation um but we've as long as we get better at replacing those players that leave um and now obviously we're in a situation where we've got to replace players that are just simply not good enough Mm. so it's a slightly different um, slightly different metric this time um but i think people have seen what happens if we don't sell players because ultimately, if no big club wants them, then they're obviously not good enough. Mm. Then, yeah, I mean, you get what's happened in the last two and a half years or so. Whereas if we actually embrace our position in the food chain, if you like, yep. then maybe we make a bit more of a success of it. I think it kind of needs a little bit more sort of collective buy-in from the fan base at times.
1: Totally agree with that.
0: Podcast Central Saints podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored by
3: happyhottubs.co.uk
2: Saints final away game of this season is at West Ham next Saturday. Like a lot of Premier League sides this season, Adam, West Ham have been very up and down. Obviously, they've just come off the uh, back of uh, the first team to score at the new Spurs stadium and win there. But uh, I guess with West Ham, you never quite know which side's going to turn up.
1: No, I mean, they must be incredibly frustrating for their supporters, I imagine. They can be a really difficult team to play against for any opposition because they're big, they're strong, they're physical, they've got skill, uh, they've got a real attacking threat, Mm. they've got players who are good on the ball, um, but they also seem to be able to turn up and be absolutely awful Mm. at the drop of a hat and for no real apparent reason. It's not even all the time with them. Like, they sort of have terrible runs and then great runs it's like they have a terrible week and then a great week sometimes yeah. and it's a very odd uh, up and down type of situation and season that they've had there and you do when i look at their team i'll be honest and say i tend to think they should be doing better than they are because mm. i think they've got the quality of players there to do better they should in, in my eyes be battling for seventh with the quality that they've got and so when you come up to play against a team like that, you can't take them lightly because if they turn up and they they actually want it, and given, all right, there's nothing really much on this game, uh, uh, granted, but mm. it'll be their final home game of the season. And we all know that everybody, every team wants to turn up for their last home game of the season. Yeah. You could actually have a really difficult game on your hands. Mm. They could potentially be a determined team with um, with the quality they've got is not, I don't think, a million miles off of competing for sort of the bottom of the top six, basically on their day. But they might also turn up and be absolute drivel and just basically phone it in for the last couple of games. So very hard to know what to expect from them. Um, but certainly uh, they have to be respected because they've got an awful lot of quality, and particularly up front where mm. they've got you know on who I think is fantastic. Anderson, we know about Antonio, of course, as well. Uh So they've got some real threats in there and then some extra quality not only at the back but also in midfield as well on the ball.
2: Yeah, Obviously they came to St Mary's in December and beat us. That was their last away win until yesterday so it's good that they've got that uh, off the uh, statistics now. But I guess as Adam says there Steve they are a dangerous side and it's particularly that sort of front four or five isn't it? You've got Declan Rice and players that have been in and out of the team this season like Lanzini but it is probably Arnautovic, um, Antonio and the likes of Philippe Anderson against our recent defending kind of does make you a little bit nervous. Yeah,
3: I mean those those front three will be um rubbing their hands thinking, Ooh, we're in, in in for some fun uh this weekend. So um there's every possibility that we may end up with a similar sort of basketball effect that we had um that we had yesterday. Because mm. um, West Ham, while they defended very well against um against Spurs yesterday, I thought mm. that was very much a team that was set up in that in that way, knowing that they were going to be defending from Pretty much from first whistle to last. Yeah. And that they were going to try and hit him on the break. Mm. And that lo and behold, that was exactly what they did. And Spurs just fell right into it, hook, line and sinker. Yeah. And we've got, I guess we've got to be a little bit careful that we don't fall for the obvious, um, the obvious play of letting their key players dictate the game. Mm. So don't let Felipe Anderson on the ball. Don't let Arnautovic on the ball. Don't yeah. let Antonio run the channels. Other than that, I mean, I don't think their central midfield's up to much. Noble's old and past it these days, and Rice—he's Rice, more of a Rice referee these things. days, isn't he? Oh
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. he's
3: he's taken on the Kevin Nolan role. He has ha- perfect. Yeah. Um, but Declan Rice has been carrying him for most of the season, I think. Mm. So um, it's one of those. But then, obviously, they took that stupid gamble of signing Jack Wilshire in the in the summer, and then acted surprised when his ankle. Gave way mm. after like what four games I think it was. I think he's played
2: half a game since. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Um, so yeah, I mean they've they've got absolutely no depth in the centre midfield, so they've had to play Noble.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, and Rice playing in the in the centre midfield himself was kind of almost forced upon them because he was playing centre half last season. Yeah. Um, it's amazing
2: how, how that's how that's changed. All of a sudden, he's one of the most in demand players in the league. Yeah. And from a Saints point of view, then, Steve, I guess a little bit of a worry, maybe knowing how long we've followed them, et cetera, et cetera, that the pressure is off. They can go out there and, in inverted commas, relax. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing sometimes because Saints tend to play a bit better when the, the pressure's on. But I guess, you know, as I say, a chance for players and fans to sort of go out there. Big sigh of relief, as we said, you know, can actually go out there. There's no pressure on the game and you never know what might happen.
3: Yeah, I mean it's as you say, it's one of those where uh, pressure off may also mean um, switch off. Mm. Um, but then that equally applies to West Ham, I think. So yeah. it's one of those where I mean you could genuinely toss a coin. However, well, I mean you wouldn't toss a coin because there's only two ways. But you'd, you'd roll you'd roll a twenty-sided dice and to to determine the outcome of this beforehand. I think I don't think there's definite way that this is going to end up.
2: Yeah. And from a Saints point of view then, Adam, just finally before we do our uh, predictions, obviously as we mentioned, Yoshida and Vestergaard were out, Yoshida ill, Vestergaard still sort of getting rid of his niggle. Um, Again, it's early days and we know they've got a couple of days off now until Wednesday, but are we hopeful at least one, if not both of those might be back?
1: We're definitely hopeful on Yoshida. I mean, an an illness is a bit like we saw with Valerie. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it should be... You would think pretty routine to come back from that. I mean, it was a very late dropout again. Yeah, it was unfortunate they they did they were I think going with the three at the back until uh, Saturday morning when he basically said he couldn't play because he was ill. So mm. then without Vestergaard, I think it was like well it's a back four to start with. Obviously they later went to to the the three centre halves uh, with Bertrand tucking in. But yeah, so with a full week to recover, I, I you you would imagine that Yoshida will be back and offer the alternative of either going back to the three centre-halves if they want, or changing the two if he wants to stick with the back four. As for Vestergaard, don't know. Mm. Um, At this stage, I think it's probably a bit early to tell on him. Uh, I guess I'll take a look at him in training when they they all return on uh, Wednesday. I think they've got a couple of days off to let their hair down and celebrate and spend a bit of time with their families or whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, and back to it on Wednesday. So I think that they'll take a look at him then and and see, you know, his availability. But I guess from their point of view now, now they're safe. Um, Yes, of course, they would like to pick up some more results. But even now, um, when you actually look at the table after drawing a couple of games now, realistically when you consider there are other teams you know around them that are obviously got games last couple of games to play as well the the truth is they're probably not going to make up all that many places now so there's probably not you don't want to finish on a damn squib i'm not saying that but what's the motivation to play anybody who is even you know half cooked whatever you just you may as well just leave them till the summer and make sure they get better rather than play them and risk it getting any worse
2: Exactly, and I think hopefully with Brighton playing Arsenal away and Man City at home, we're probably going to finish where we are. But you never know. But uh, look, I'm flashing the cash this week. I've got a uh, two-pound coin. I've absolutely oh, blown. Oh I've blown goodness. the dust off of it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's
1: so uh, tense. I actually I'm took tense. it out of my
2: son's money box. That's how desperate I was. But uh, there we go. Right, you're up this week, Adam, because Steve called for the Bournemouth game. So the uh, oops, the coin's in the air. Go for it.
1: I'm I'm not optimistic this weekend. I am going to go. Well, hold on a minute. You got the heads and tails first. Oh. I can't. You can't just jump in there. Oh, sorry. No, 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 oh, don't course. try. And, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what else would you have?
2: Scandal. Yeah. This. I mean, this sorry. is this is almost ultimate disqualification.
1: Yeah, well, I deserve <laughs> it. Don't give me a point. I still, I still win. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. right, heads or tails? Heads. Oh, it's a tail. Tails oh. never fails. Steve does it. I'm mm. sorry, Adam. No. You'll have to wait for Steve to predict first. Go for it, Steve
3: um tempted to go for the desmond but no that's a little (laughs) that's a little little bit too predictable for me i think um i do share your fear that i think we'll probably um slack off a little bit and west ham may just have a little bit too much so probably
2: 2-1 home win 2-1 home win no problem at all right adam what are you going with damn
1: it that is what i was going to (laughs) say when i before i like you always say that it's it's just the the toy no no one believes this anymore but Um, that was exactly what I was going to say so I will go I'll go 3-1 West Ham
2: 3-1 West Ham good alright well I'm going to go for a full house because a leopard never changes its spots so I'm going for uh, 2-0 West Ham Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it this week. I must admit, I particularly enjoyed listening to Adam's rendition of the John Barnes situation. I hope you all did as well. It's been another emotional roller coaster of a season following Saints, but the Saints are staying up, and thanks mainly to Ralph Hazelnutel. From the three of us, see you next week, and keep marching in.